mishpacha. You know mishpacha? You're going to learn mishpacha, family and relative. We've got to teach you Hebrew. You know, it's, we're going to speak that in heaven. You might as well get ready. <laughs> so, but, so at this share how we celebrated the Passover dinner. And what I want to do today, not only to carry us through that way, and this is the Passover Haggadah. And the Haggadah is the telling of the story, and it guides and directs us as we go through the dinner. And th this form of the Haggadah that was printed probably started being printed around 800. And so it's families have probably been celebrating Passovers like this for, what, 1,200 years now? or a little more, and I know if you know my people, we've been doing it for the 800 years plus before that. So this is what we will use to guide us. Now during the week before Passover, there'd be great house cleaning going on in all the Jewish homes because uh, the house has to be ready because this is the Passover feast. But before we go into the Passover, let me tell you a little bit about Chosen People Ministries. Uh, the ministry began in 1894. Uh, Rabbi Leopold Cohen moved to Brooklyn because he had heard looking for the Messiah, and he came from Poland. And in 1894, the Messiah found him, and he then wanted to share Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, with the Jewish community. So he started a storefront in Brooklyn, and then it developed from there. It was American Board of Missions to the Jews for many years, and then the name was changed to Chosen People just maybe about 20 years ago. So um, our major ministry is evangelism, uh, going out on the street, talking to individuals one-on-one, -on -one, and then discipleship. That is, a person receives Yeshua, we want to get them into the word to learn and then eventually move them into a good Bible teaching church where they will grow in their faith and knowledge of Yeshua. The ministry has expanded. There's probably over 17 countries right now and where the ministry is located. Many and many offices here in uh, branches in the United States and in Canada. And we've moved forward not only into uh, television, we have uh, evangelistic programs, and we have cards on the table if you'd like to take them to remind you. One of our evangelistic uh, sites is Isaiah53.com, where people can come onto the site, uh, ask any questions, but they can learn about Isaiah 53, and if they are searching, we will send them a free book, uh, Isaiah 53, which I have on the table in the, in the foyer. And another uh, computer television, uh, computer phone is I Found Shalom. And this is the testimony of 17, 18 Jewish believers, how they came and received Yeshua and the truth of who he really is. So this is, and there's other programs that you can find out. So go to chosenpeople.com and you can find out a lot more about the ministry. And as I said, we do print books and brochures. We have brochures on the table. On the table outside, when you go outside, there's, two, there's a couple signs. 
One sign says free. And on the right side of the table, we have brochures, like 27 prophecies fulfilled in one day, or who is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And another one is why did Messiah have to die? And was welcome to come out as you talk with me around the table, uh, take these items that are free. And then on the other side of the table, we have books uh, that the sign says not so free. <laughs> okay, and this one is Israel, the land, and the people, and it gives us a good tour, introduction to the nation of Israel. And this is Israel's holy days about, and the prophecy and how they are prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. And there are many other books, some in very interesting books. So again, on free, and that side says, like I said, not so free. But will be at the table and willing to talk and share. So I look forward to meeting you all outside after the service is over. So before we turn into the service, let's pray. Father, we thank you now for your truth. We thank you for your salvation. And we do ask, Father, and we pray, uh, look to you to guide and direct in this time that uh, we would see Jesus and we would move forward in the way and we would see him. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I forgot one thing. Uh, the it's been one of those days. Ever, ever happened to you? <laughs> okay. But uh, after the service, the pastor has told me there will be an offering taken uh, for Chosen People Ministries. And on the brochure, which you should have, I trust you have these brochures, when you open them up, you'll find out there is a, pa a page on this side that you can rip off and fill out. And if you would like to sign up and receive our prayer letter or the ministry's monthly prayer letter, if you just fill out this slip and drop it in the offering plate or hand it to me when the service is over. And the, if you want to make it, if the, if the Lord leads, then make out, you can make out a check to Chosen People Ministries. But a couple things about the offering. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then we're not asking you to give because it is the privilege of those who know the Lord who have been redeemed by him to support and to give, uh, give support for ministries that are sharing Jesus. So if you do not know Jesus Christ today, then our prayer for you is not to give, but to receive, to receive the gift of eternal life by receiving Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior. And as you are a believer here, uh, we don't want you to take the giving support out of your support for your ministry here. Your first responsibility is to your pastor, to the church where you are being fellowshipping, where you are growing, and that is where you should be supporting. But if the Lord lays it on your heart, then he, you want to make an offering to the ministry, to chosen people. That is what we are asking for afterwards. But the main, our main prayer would be if you don't know the Lord, you would receive the Lord into your life and know the reality and joy of knowing him. Now, as I said, the week before Passover, there was a great house cleaning getting ready for the festival. 
the day of Passover, uh, we men would go to shul, synagogue, and we would celebrate and have our afternoon and evening Passover services. And while we were at shul, the women would be home preparing the meal, preparing the table, so that everything would be ready by the time we came home. Our rabbis are very practical, and they say it needs to be ready and to start as soon as possible because we're really trying to teach our kids also, our children, through the Passover, and we want to make sure they stay awake and they learn as we go through. So the table is set, and the first thing that we would do when we come into the house is we men then would put our yarmulkes on. A yarmulke is a little skull cap or beanie, but no Orthodox Jewish male would go into a worship service with God with his head uncovered. And then we would put on our talis. This is a prayer shawl, and it is what we wear as we are formally praying and spending time with the Lord. So my uncle would put on the prayer shawl because he is going to be leading us in this worship service. And once we are ready, we all sit down and be ready for dinner. My aunt would light the Passover candles. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech olam asher kidshona b'mitzvotav ve'tzivonu l'hadlik nershel Pesach. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, who sanctifies us with your commandment and commands us to light the Passover candles. And once the candles are lit, then we would, everyone would pick up their Haggadah and we would start with the service. Now you will notice these elements that we have on the table. Before my uncle, there would be a Seder plate. This tore the Seder, and it would have, what did I do? Here you go. There you go. We're ready, thanks Mike. Okay, so, so I told you it's one of those days. So, but this is a Seder plate, and the Seder plate would have on it the elements that we are going to be explaining as we talk through tonight that my uncle would be able to use in leading the service. So you, one of the items that you will see on the table is four cups. Because during the service, there will be four cups, four times where we will drink wine. And it, each one has a specific name and a specific place in the service. So this is all set up, ready. The first thing we would do after the lighting of the candles is that we would take and fill the first cup. The first cup is called the Holy Cup of Blessings. And it, this, this is where we ask the Lord, we thank the Lord for who he is, and we ask him to bless the service that is going to follow. 
Baruch Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And we would take of the first cup. And then we would take a piece of parsley. And we would dip the parsley two times into the salt water, very salty salt water. And the reason that we do this, the greenery, because in Exodus chapter 12, it says, this shall be a new beginning for you. This will be the beginning of months. And the greenery speaks of uh, plant, fresh, fresh plants growing and, and growth as it grows. And the salt water speaks of the tears which our ancestors shed when we were in bondage in Egypt and the Red Sea, which God opened up for us as he brought us out and redeemed us. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruits of the earth. This is a matzotash, a matzah cover, and it's a very special type of cover. You will find, see that there is one compartment with a matzah, and the matzahs are unleavened bread, and we'll be talking about those in a little bit. Then there will be a second compartment with another matzah, and a third compartment with another matzah. And our rabbis tell us that this matzotash represents that first matzah would be the Kohen Gadol. He was the high priest who was leading us in worship when the temple was standing. The second matzah would be the tribe of Levi, the, who were the servants that helped the high priest in the service of the temple when it was standing. And the, the third matzah would be Am Haaretz, the people of the land. And what we are being told with the Matsutash is even though there's a Kohen Gadol and there are the Levites and the Am Haaretz, yet we are one people. We are united. <coughs> but as a believer in Jesus Christ, in Yeshua as the Messiah, what do you think God may be trying to tell us with the three-tiered Matsutash? And that we have the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, three in one. Now, in the service, at this point, after holding up the matzotash, my uncle would reach in, and he would pull out the middle matzah. Now, you ask our rabbis, because then they would pull it out, and they would break it, And my uncle would wrap part of it in a napkin, and he would leave the table, and he would walk through the house, throughout his house, and then when he came back, the matzah was gone. And that is called the afikomen. That is a Greek term 
but it means that which comes later. And you ask our rabbis then, Rabbi, why do you take out Levi and break him? And they really have no answer. Really, they just sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, well, we need to do that so we can have the afikomen. So there's no real explanation. But as a believer, as a believer in Yeshua, as we look at this with the middle matzah representing the sun, we'd be seeing that the sun is coming. And matzahs, as you look at matzahs, are made with stripes. And within the stripes, you will see that it's pierced. And the matzah is broken, and it's wrapped, and it's buried. So waiting to come later. So we'll talk about this again as we return. So after the afikomen is hidden, and all of us kids would just be listening intently as my uncle was walking through the house and as we knew what he was doing. And once the uncle came back, then from the afikomen, we would take the second cup and we would fill up for the second cup and the cup is called the cup of the plague. And at this point, uh, the youngest son at the table, which was me, would stand up and would ask the four questions. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 26 and 27, it says, uh, it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the youngest son would stand up and at this point would ask the four questions. Why is this night different from all other nights? Any other night we may eat either leavened or unleavened bread. But on this night, only unleavened bread. All other nights we may eat any kind of herbs but on this night only bitter herbs. All other nights we do not dip even once, but on this night twice. All other nights we eat and drink either sitting or reclining, but on this night we all recline. And then the, my uncle would begin to answer the questions. Now when we, when we think about the reclining, why do we sit? Why do we have a pillow? Why do we recline? And our rabbis would tell us the reason that we do this is that when we were in bondage in Egypt, we were slaves. And we, didn't, we ministered and we served and we didn't rest. But now that we are free, we are able to sit and relax and recline at, at our table. Now, if you read in the scriptures, then we read that it talks about Jesus and the disciples reclined at their dinner, at their Passover supper. So, and then it begins to explain. Because we were slaves under Pharaoh in Egypt, and the eternal, our God, brought us forth thence with a mighty hand 
and an outstretched arm. And we read, now if I read all the pages that we had here, you'd be very upset with your pastor for inviting me. <laughs> so we're skipping forward about 10 pages and we're coming forward because it starts talking about uh, history of Israel and working with God and what God had done and then what the history of the bondage being in Egypt. And we come to the point that God is working to deliver our people to the 10 plagues. And what we would do in our family is that we would take a, the second cup of wine and we would take a knife and we would dip the knife in the cup and say the Hebrew name of the plague, Dom. And we take it out and we knock off the drops on the, on the plate and we say blood. And then we'd go to Fardea, frog, Tanim, light. And we do this for each of the 10 plagues until we came to Machat Bacharot, the slayings of the firstborn. And by the time we finish, there are 10 drops taken out of the cup. And our rabbis say, if we think this through, a full cup of wine is a cup of joy and rejoicing. By taking the drops out of the cup, it's, it is showing that even though we rejoice because of the redemption and the freedom that God has given us, we do not rejoice when we think of the cost. I think you and I can identify with that. We rejoice in the freedom we have as believers in Messiah, but we don't rejoice in what we think of what it cost him to bring us to himself. So. So after the 10 drops, we read a few more pages, and then we come to Rabbi Gamaliel, and in Acts chapter 5, there was a Rabbi Gamaliel who was questioning the disciples. And he's a very well thought of, very scriptural, strong uh, teacher. But Rabbi Gamaliel says that whoever does not make mention of three things at the Passover feast has not done his duty, namely the sacrifice of the Passover, the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs. And you'll see this as we go through. And then we start to read and explaining the Passover lamb, which our ancestors ate during the existence of the temple, for what reason was it eaten? And I'm going to explain more than what is explained in the Passover. And it's because it says this month shall be your beginning of months. It'll be the first month of the year to you. On the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for the household. And then, then we give qualifications. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, take it out from the sheep or the goats, keep it until the 14th day. So there's very special qualifications and instructions <coughs> for this lamb. It is to be a male. It is to be in, of the first year, which from what I understand is the prime of life for a lamb. You are to keep it from the 10th to the 14th day three and a half days. Why? Why would they have to keep the lamb 
and the answer you think about to observe it. You're going to say, it's supposed to be perfect. It's going to be offered to the Lord, so we need to observe it to be sure that the lamb is qualified to be the sacrifice and the offering that is going to be to the Lord. And then you, you keep it till the 14th day, and then it says on the 14th day, verse 6, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take and they will catch some blood in the bowl. And they would take the blood in the bowl, they take some hyssop, it says in 22, and they would dip the hyssop in the blood and put it on the lintel and the doorpost of the house. And then they would sit behind that bloody door and they would eat their feet. Now, God doesn't have to tell us why he's telling us what he wants us to do. He has a reason. But he does tell the people here why they're putting the blood on the door. And then I, I, I think about that, the shape of the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts. And they sit behind it as they eat. And he says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that night, the only difference between the death of the firstborn in the house and no death was the blood of the lamb on the door. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, every one of us, when we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have the blood of Jesus applied to us. We are under the blood. And now, whenever God looks down from heaven and, and sees me, he doesn't see Jack Meadows, thankfully. He sees the blood of Jesus. And his promise is, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the only difference between life and death, eternal life or eternal death, is the blood of the perfect lamb, which has been applied. And if you're here this morning and you have never personally received Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Savior, our prayer for you is that you would receive him. Believe that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. Have his blood applied to you and know that you're going to be with him, with God forever and ever. So the lamb. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And as we think of that, then he went to the cross, he shed his blood for us and for us to apply it personally into our lives. That is the key to the Passover celebration. So we have a lamb bone. 
on the table. When I was growing up, Ashkenazi European Jew background, we did not eat lamb. So we would have something else, but there would be a lamb bone on the table to remind us of the Passover lamb because he is sinful. Also on the table is a brown egg, a roasted egg. And this is to remind us that whenever the, the Israelites came up to Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice to God to thank him, it's always personal. They would offer a personal offering to God to thank him for his presence and his goodness and what he is doing. Now that's a good idea, isn't it? To remember as we come to the Lord, not only to thank him for our redemption, but to thank him for who he is and how good and how great and merciful our God is. The unleavened bread, which we now eat, what does it mean? It was eaten because the dough of our ancestors had not time to become leavened before the supreme king of kings, the most high, blessed be he, revealed himself and redeemed them. The bitter herb which we now eat, what does it mean? It is eaten because the Egyptians embittered our ancestors in Egypt. As it is said, they embittered their lives with hard bondage. In every generation, each individual is bound to regard himself as if he had gone personally forth from Egypt as it is read, and you shall relate to your sons on that day, saying, this is on account of what the Eternal did for me when I went forth from Egypt. So each one of us at the Passover table are thanking God that we have been redeemed, and God redeemed us out of bondage, out of slavery when he redeemed our ancestors. And then my uncle and we would elevate the second cup of wine. Blessed art thou, O eternal our God, king of the universe, who has redeemed us and our ancestors from Egypt and has brought us to the enjoyment of this night to eat unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And we would sip from the second cup of wine. And then my uncle would take the remaining part of the middle matzah. And he would remind us of what this was. This was a middle matzah, unleavened bread. And he would break it. And he would pass a piece around the, around the table, and every one of us would have a piece of the middle matzah. In Luke 19, Luke 22, verse 19, talking about Jesus, it says, And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is forgiven, which is for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. And God, Jesus himself identified the middle matza. He said, this is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. And I believe it is right here that we have the bread that is instituted for our communion. That whenever we take the bread at communion, we are remembering him, remembering his body and his love, which he gave for us. And then, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the earth. And we would eat hamotzi lechem min ha'oretz, and we would eat the bread. Now there would be other matzahs on the table, and we would take some more, another piece of matzah, and then we would take some horseradish, the frame, the bitter herb. Now my aunt would grind her own horseradish for the Passover, and I never had horseradish like my aunt's horseradish. But we would have the horseradish on the table. It would be ground horseradish. And we'd take a piece of matzah, and then my uncle would want us to put a teaspoon of that horseradish on the matzah. Now, you're familiar. Now, we sort of hedged <laughs> as we were growing up on that. But you put the teaspoon on the matzah, and you eat the matzah and the horseradish, and bring tears to your eyes. And the reason on what we are doing then, we are weeping because of the bitterness of the bondage in Egypt. But after that, we take another piece of matzah and we put just a little bit of horseradish on the matzah. And this is karosis. It's made of apples, nuts, mixed with wine and spices. It's very sweet. And we would put a big spoon of that on top of the horseradish and we would eat that and our rabbis tell us how sweet is redemption after the bitterness of bondage amen how sweet is redemption after the bitterness of bondage and then we would eat dinner We'd have the full dinner with dessert, with the coffee, with the tea. And then after dinner is over, my uncle would look at all of us kids at the table, young people, and say, go find it. Now, what are we going to go look for? The afikomen, the snake. And we would search the house, and we would look for the afikomen. And when we found the afikomen, we would bring it back to the table, whoever found it, and give it to my uncle. And my uncle would give a cash gift to whoever found it because it was such a rejoicing time. Again, it's a more than one way to keep kids awake. Or <laughs> and my uncle would unwrap the matzah, break a piece off, and we would all have a bite of the matzah to finish the dinner. Now this bite of matzah replaces the last bite of lamb, which was eaten at the Passover dinner. The afikomen is, uh, I, yeah, 
No, I, I shouldn't say that. I won't say that. But the afikomen is the last bite, which is the strength that we are to eat before we head out for this life into the world. And after the afikomen, after we eat that piece of the afikomen, think about that with me for a while. What, what is the afikomen? The middle matzah, who was the son of God, was Jesus. Unleavened, no sin. Stripes, beaten with stripes. Pierced marks, pierced for our iniquities. Broken on the cross. Buried, hidden, and raised again for everyone to see. Do you see the picture? Every year when my mashpukha are going through a Passover dinner, they are remembering the death and the burial the resurrect and the resurrection of Yeshua. And they don't know it. And they need to know it. Who Yeshua is, that Jesus is the promised fulfillment and the redeemer that God has promised. And then the third cup is filled. And the third cup is called the cup of redemption. And this is the cup after supper. And in the, in the, before we take of the cup, there's reading and prayers. We will give thanks unto you, O eternal our God, for having caused our ancestors to inherit the desirable good and ample land. And because you have brought us forth from the land of Egypt and redeemed us from the house of bondage. And so there is prayer for past redemption, that as God has brought us out of bondage. We read further. May he who is most merciful send us Elijah, the high prophet of blessed memory, to bring us good tidings of salvation and consolation. And on the table, there is a special cup which is filled and waiting for Elijah. Many Orthodox Jewish homes will have a whole place setting waiting because they say that God has promised that Elijah will be here on the Passover and he will introduce us to the Messiah. So at this point, the youngest son again would get up from the table, would go out and look out the door to see, and then I would come back in shaking my head no. He did not come. But the Mal in Malachi 4.5, relying on the promise that God is going to send us Elijah before the great day and promise of our Redeemer. Again, my people do not know that Elijah has come and the Redeemer has come. So they need to keep praying that their eyes would be opened. And we move forward and we have a prayer, a future prayer. 
May he who is most merciful make us worthy to behold the day of the Messiah and eternal life in the future state. And our people are looking at the Passover to the future, but looking forward that God will bring the Messiah and that we will celebrate in the future state and with eternal life. So there's past redemption thanked for. There's prayer for Elijah to come. And there is looking forward and prayer for the future that the Messiah will come. And they, like I said, my people do not know that he has come, but they are looking for him. Then we move forward in another little bit and we take the third cup. The third cup, the cup of redemption. Now, Luke chapter 22 again says, and he took bread, we talked about that, gave thanks and broke it, this is my body. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And I believe that this cup after supper is the cup with which we remember at the communion table, that this is my body. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And we would drink the third cup. And then we would fill the fourth cup. And the fourth cup is called the cup of praise. And we would read Psalms 115 to 118, uh, focus again on who the Lord is. And again, we would skip a number of pages. And as we're coming to the end, then they would say, Lashona Haboa Berushalayim. Next year, may it be in Jerusalem, and the Passover is closed, looking forward to next year when we would hopefully celebrate the coming of the Messiah in Jerusalem with him. Now we read in the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, that after the cup, they sang a hymn, and then they went out the garden. So the cup of the body is the last thing that they remember as they moved out into the garden with Jesus. He has come. He is risen. He is lifted high. He is in heaven. He is our redeemer. My people are looking to the future. They don't realize that he has come and already brought us and made eternal life possible. So as the Passover is finished, my people would say, Lashona Haboa Berushalayim, next year, may it be in Jerusalem. And as I think of the Passover, we just want to praise God for Jesus, who he is, and thank him for his redemption. And if any that are here who do not know him, that today would be the day 
that you would receive eternal life. Father, thank you so much just for your picture, for your redemption, for your love, and we thank you in Jesus Christ's name.